Now, I, I asked our Lifecycle team to get up today and tell us uh, what the, about their ride because I knew I had to when I saw the topic for this week, the assigned topic, and it's, you've got me hypnotized. And I'll explain why it got me to thinking about the Lifecycle team in a moment, but first let's unpack the word hypnotize, how it's sometimes used in common language, not the, the clinical practice of hypnotism. Sometimes when we say I'm hypnotized, we not mean I'm dazzled or I'm overcome as if by suggestion. And it can also mean um, to influence somebody, even to the point of controlling them or to capture somebody's attention so strongly that they may feel unable to walk away or look away. Do you know what I'm talking about? So I asked myself the question, what in this world captures my whole attention like that? Overcomes me by suggestion to the point where I'm unable to drag myself away from it. What hypnotizes me? You may have your own things. But as I thought about it, I identified three areas where I can become hypnotized. Number one. By the circumstances of this world, as described by the news and social media. Because outrage sells, and the threat of danger is compelling. It sells. Example. I just read yesterday on the news, the Eastern European country of Georgia had to cancel its LGBTQ event after a far-right religious group consisting of 2,000 people stormed the park and the event, destroying, burning, looting, making it necessary for the LGBT participants to be bussed to safety in another area. That can hypnotize me. I can get into things like that and cannot turn away. That's number one. Number two, cultural voices can hypnotize me because I apparently accepted many things from the well-meaning adults that raised me who were doing the very best that they knew how, but it turns out they gave me some things to believe in that were not accurate. Like, for example, my culture of origin sometimes overtly and sometimes covertly taught me that being white, Caucasian, heterosexual, male, able-bodied, thin, wealthy, and fluent in English was always preferable. Hmm. Third, sometimes I can get hypnotized all by myself by the voices in my own head because of my amazing ability to focus on the negative and to project with accuracy the worst-case scenarios. You know what I mean? For example, if something goes wrong, I make a mistake, immediately I begin to look for the evidence of why it's my fault. And the voices go explaining how it's going to happen again. Then I start to look for patterns. I'm just confessing. <laughs> Generating all kinds of internal anxiety. And three weeks ago, I talked about that and gave some very good practical suggestions for how I handle that internal anxiety when my inner conversations get out of control that maybe can be useful to you. It's all available on our website. Now, I'm not always hypnotized and 
you aren't either. But sometimes I am. And when I am, I know I need to snap out of it. I've seen a hypnotist on movie from time to time. I'm sure it's not accurate to the clinical practice of hypnotism, but in the movies, the hypnotist will say something like, on the count of three, I'm going to snap my fingers, and you are going to wake up and remember who you are. And that is exactly what spiritual living is all about to me waking up from the hypnotic state, whether it's created by the world and its news, cultural voices, or my own internal conversations. Now, it doesn't always happen one, two, three, snap, I'm an awake. No, it's usually more like a long process of education and self-inquiry and unfolding and evolution into awakeness over and over again. Now, I have some exercises that I use, and you may have your own, and I'm going to be covering some of these exercises as we go through the morning, including developing a habit of mindfully and purposefully seeking out good news, the well-known practice of mindfully and purposefully looking for things to be grateful for, a new habit of developing stubborn optimism, And then the habit of asking yourself about the meaning of life and what you think it truly is. We'll talk about that as we go through today. But first, I want to acknowledge that there is chaos and pain in this world. And the news that covers the chaos and pain is compelling as it should be. And sometimes when I'm hypnotized by it, I get so into it that I may not notice that simultaneously ordinary people are doing good things. Like the 1,692 cyclists plus the road staff plus the support volunteers who made the epic journey from San Francisco to Los Angeles to raise millions and millions and millions of dollars to raise funds and awareness and services for people living with HIV and AIDS. Did you know? that your Center for Spiritual Living, Santa Rosa, has had a cycle team in the AIDS Life Cycle Team for 10 years. And already, next year's team is forming. So if you want to make a difference in the world and be supported and trained into doing it's possible. Ask me, I'll show you how. Now, noticing the good things that are happening in the midst of everything else, in the midst of the pain and suffering, that noticing is part of what it takes to snap out of the dream. I have to look for it purposefully. So let me tell you about a a website, an online magazine called Bittersweet Monthly. It's an online magazine, and it presents itself as a counter-narrative to the world's bad news. Here's what it says. Together, we reject cynicism. We defy apathy and celebrate good that the world needs more of. And so it features stories from all over the world telling about where human compassion intersects with human aspiration and gives rise to creativity. 
like for example the organization called Authoring Change. They're covering that right now in which some 800 teens have been encouraged to share their personal stories without being censored, without limits and helping them to shape the way they see themselves so they can try on the identity of being advocates for social change and feel their power. Or about the second website, it's called yesmagazine.org and it reports on positive social trends like the recent Supreme Court decision that upholds Native American sovereignty. Or number three, goodnewswork. goodnewsnetwork.org which recently reported um, the birth of the rare um, okapi. You know what an okapi is? Some people know, some people will know. For if you're from South Africa, you'll know. <laughs> it's like a mixture between a giraffe and a zebra. Anyway, the good news is that it recently they had a birth in a zoo in captivity of an okapi, and that is inspiring because it's one of the least understood and most endangered species on the earth. And this birth in captivity is opening up so much hope for its future. They also report the story of a fire department intern. He never even wanted to become a firefighter, but he went through the internship and he showed up at the fire department, got to meet his mentor, who discovered, he discovered that the mentor had delivered him as a baby in an emergency so many years ago. And they also, the story reports on about the newborn Zoe. Zoe who was left in a Florida safe haven rescue station and was called to be picked up by a firefighter who was so moved by the tremendous difficulty of parents having to deliver their newborn to a safe haven rescue center that it melted his heart and he called his wife and they adopted Zoe on the spot. <sighs> or the fourth site, today.com, in which a, a newlywed woman explains why she wanted to get married in a fast food hamburger joint. <laughs> White Castle, some of you may know. <laughs> and the reason is because of the kindness of one of the fast food workers that helped her get from where she was to where she is today. In 1994, the story goes, uh, Jamie was 12 years old and she was out on her own living on the streets and had a very rough beginning. She says, I was in 94 foster homes, six shelters, a group home, and a treatment center when they ran out of places to put me in. And she tells how there were no beds, and by the time she realized that there were no beds, she also realized that the system was probably going to kill me. So I took off on my own. Mm. Now she says she can't be sure exactly which location it was where she stumbled into a White Castle, but she does remember that many of the other fast food chain stores that she went into wouldn't even let her in because of the way she looked. But things went very differently for her this one day. She walked into the White Castle and she said, it was the first one I'd ever seen. And this woman behind the counter goes, oh, sugar, 
you go into that bathroom and get yourself cleaned up. And so I did, she says. And I cried in the bathroom because I was being treated like a human being for the first time in a long time. And while she was in the bathroom cleaning up, the White Castle employee bagged enough food beautifully wrapped so that she and her friends had three days' worth of food. And the story goes on, and her bout with homelessness finally ended. And over time, she got to meet her husband-to-be, Drew. And when, they, uh, when the time came to select a location to be married, she chose the hamburger joint where she found sanctuary and sustenance and human kindness. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, website number five, positive.news. It reports on... What it says on the top, what went right this week? (laughs) And it says, we're offering the good news you ought to know about. Uh, It also supports the notion that you and I should dare to imagine our own positive future in this world. And this is the way it says it. But without shying away from the very real stress and dangers of life on earth. You see, they're not putting their head in the ground. They're not pretending life isn't complex. They're bringing balance to it. For example, the story of an armed robber turned into a world champion triathlete who is now training children. Children in inner city circles to do mountain trail running because, as he says, he's hoping to help a new generation find a better route through life. Or number six, the goodness-exchange.com, which points out that the common ratio between progress and negativity in mainstream reporting would have us believe that the world is in a persistent state of decline. And, as it says on its website, while this news is vitally important and we need to know what's going on on this planet that we call home, we can't talk about the world in purely negative terms if we want to make it a better place. We need to see the whole picture. So it is important for us to learn about the many measures of true progress that is also going on simultaneously. While things are difficult, they're also improving. You can do your own search. Just search for how is the world becoming a better place. You're likely to find things like this, like infant mortality is going way down. You're likely to find something like this, that absolute poverty has decreased so dramatically that the United Nations feels it is fair to say that eradicating extreme Poverty is within our reach. (sighs) Of course, all of this is not to say that we can or should ignore the things that may be getting worse. Like, for example, climate change, technology addiction, human trafficking, Um, physical and mental health issues, to name a few. But it is to say this, extreme focus on the negative is exactly the same as extreme focus on the positive. It's one-sided, and it can be extremely hypnotizing. 
And the problem with an overly positive worldview is that it can make us tone deaf to the suffering in the world. It can make us lose our empathetic connection to people who are living one paycheck away from being homeless. And the problem with an overly negative worldview is that the human mind is already attuned to negativity. And it loves it. So it takes extra effort to bring balance into play. An overly negative worldview for me has the ability not only to hypnotize me, but it sort of thwarts my optimism. And it, it takes effort to wake up from it, especially when it's grabbed me and I can't turn away from it. And I don't even feel like trying. So I mentioned exercises that I use. The first one we've covered so far, and that is to mindfully and purposely seek out and consume good news because it's there. And the second is the well-known daily gratitude list. Carry a notebook around and just write down four things every day that you are grateful for. You don't even have to make a big fuss about it. And when I started to look for reasons to be grateful, it became a game changer in my life. Not only did it bring balance into my thinking, but it also started to generate the creative energy that I have in me, that you have in me, that creative energy that is the energy that solves problems, that connects us to each other, that inspires us to larger thinking. And it is the energy that can make me part of the change that wants to happen and that can make, turn me into one of the characters acting out one of those good news stories on one of those websites. Gratitude is a form of optimism. It's optimism put into action. And optimism is a tool so powerful that it will break the spell of hypnotism. The central architect of the Paris Agreement, Christiana Figueres, also the Costa Rican diplomat, she makes a case for what she calls stubborn optimism. Here's a quote. Any reality we are given is not set in stone. It can be changed. Now, although that was being written about climate change, it's a very inspiring quote for me. I know some things can't be changed in life. I get that. But it does cause me to ask, where have I become so stuck that I'm not even trying? What has hypnotized me so much that I'm not even trying? What societal messages have I swallowed accepted and what stories are running around in my head that I've got to interrupt and reconfigure. In, in 1912, Christian Larson wrote a pledge beginning with the words, promise yourself. It's now known as the Optimist Creed, and it goes like this. Promise yourself to be so strong that nothing can disturb your peace of mind. To talk health, happiness, and prosperity to every person you meet. To make all your friends feel that there is something worthwhile in them. To look at the sunny side of everything and make your optimism come true. To think 
only the best, to work only for the best, and to expect only the best, to be as enthusiastic about the success of others that you are about your own, to forget the mistakes of the past and press on to the greater achievements of the future, to wear a cheerful countenance at all times, and to give every living creature you meet a smile, to give so much time to the improvement of yourself that you have no time to criticize others, to be too large for worry, too noble for anger, too strong for fear, and too happy to permit the presence of trouble, to think of yourself so well and to proclaim this fact to the world, not in loud words but in great deeds, to live in faith that the whole world is on your side so long as you are true to the best that is in you. That's a lot. That's a tall order. Whew. And I frankly think it may be out of reach for a lot of people. Sometimes I think that. But that is the way of a vision. It must be out of reach. It's got to go beyond what I am capable of now. It must go past what I'm experiencing now. It must inspire me to go past what is normal and average. It ought to have parts in it that are lofty and seemingly unattainable unattainable, just like the global vision we often talk about of a healthy, loving world that works for everyone, where forgiveness is the norm, where there is peace and harmony and justice for all. Some people may say, that is not reasonable. Well, a vision can't afford to be reasonable. How effective would it be if the vision's message was, meh. Don't get your hopes up. (laughs) Things are getting bad around these parts. I mean, imagine if we took that optimist creed and we took out all of the visionary statements and make it so compelling and we rewrote it more reasonably. Like this. (laughs) I promise not to disturb myself and to be friendly only to those who deserve it. (laughs) To be happy when things are going well and to trust those who earn it, and to hold on to the past until amends are made, and to point out accurately where others can improve themselves. It it doesn't land in the same way. (laughs) No, I, I want to stretch by looking past what is normal, past what is already possible, to something larger that takes my breath away, even if I don't know how to get there. Now, the exercises I offer you are intended to break the hypnotic state, and this one is to write your own optimistic promises to yourself, for yourself. Try not to tell other people about your optimism or try not to try to encourage, you know, don't pour your optimism on other people. This is for you. You start with, I promise myself, and then let it rip. Go for it. Keep it upbeat. Keep it aspirational. Keep the bitterness out of it. Now, a pro tip. You are likely to be more successful with this project if you first give yourself the opportunity to write down or talk about what you're worried about. 
and what you feel pessimistic about. Because those points of view are valid also, and they deserve to be heard. In fact, a great place to take your concerns to the after-service prayer, after each service, so that you don't just pretend it's not there. That's never going to work. So let's review the exercises I'm suggesting. Number one, seek out the good news because it is there. Two, diligently and daily look for things to be grateful for. It's a game changer. Three, write your own optimistic promises to yourself. And here's the fourth one. It comes in the form of questions about the meaning of life that you can ask yourself but you can also do this exercise with a loved one or with friends. Ask and listen is the, the practice. And the questions go something like this. You can make your own. But what in life is important to you? What does life in you want you to do in this world? What do you believe about the way life actually works. What do you believe? What causes, what inspires awe in you? Now, if you do do this with a friend or family member, ask the questions and then listen, period. Listen without correction. Listen without suggestion. Listen without collaboration. Listen. Listen with curiosity. Listen with a desire to understand. Listen with gratitude for being the witness to something sacred happening. And then if you do the exercise by yourself, give yourself the same opportunity to express taking as long as you like, to come from that seat of consciousness within you. And you can first take a moment to connect with it by doing a spiritual practice that I'm going to invite you to do with me right now. So breathe in. And as you exhale, imagine yourself becoming ready to answer the questions about the meaning of life. But first, saying to yourself or from yourself these words, there is within me a presence that is conscious. There is within me a presence that is connected to all that is. There is within me a light that shines upon my path. There is within me a love that understands. There is within me creativity, curiosity, and loving kindness. There is within me a center of clarity. There is within me a center of calm. From this place within, this place where I intersect with all that is, I look out upon the world and see with a new clarity. From this place, I feel my presence with calm. I see through the circumstances of the world to a new reality. I hear the song of creation waking me up, calling me, and I awaken wide awake and I find myself to be present, peaceful, and powerful.